Welcome back to the DJ Sessions, where we feature the best DJs and producers from around the world. I'm your host, Darren, and right now we're sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington. And coming in, I'm going to assume all the way in from somewhere in Southern California, guys. Am I correct on that? From Los Angeles. From Los Angeles, we got none other than X and Ivy from Party Shirt. How you doing this afternoon, guys? I'm loving the rawness of this because I got kind of a green screen background on me and I'm in my studio, but you, is that your actual studio where you do all your production? No, that's, that's a green screen too. We actually yeah. live in a $10 million mansion. Yeah. We got a, <laughs> Wait, you, 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 can, you can get soda out of your green screen. How do I get that green screen? That's how it works. You, I know a guy. Once you hit that, once you hit that 20 million mark on, on TikTok, then they give you the real green screen. I do exactly. TikTok hand delivers it to you with a bunch of sodas. Or wait, is the soda actually green screen? And it's, you have somebody in the background adding it's that in the CGI in the machine. You know, it's a, it goes both ways. I love it, guys. I love it. Well, congratulations on your success so far on on TikTok. You're blowing up there. I mean, I want to dive right into everything. Becoming one, yeah. uh, becoming viral. I mean, what's that like in itself? I mean, the term has been used for many years in social media, but you guys met back in your dorm room in 2016 while going to USC. And was it, did it just click right there and you knew right off the bat, we're going to start doing some awesome stuff or was there a progression? And then all of a sudden overnight it went click and jumped up. Sort of. It is like a mix of both. Cause yeah. you know, immediately once we met, we decided, Hey, let's do party shirt. But I mean, I think then, you know, we sort of knew what party, should, like we had like grand visions of like, we're going to headline Coachella. Right. But then also I was like, all right, let's just start and maybe play a few parties around USC. So, you know, I think at the start, like the effort didn't match where the vision was. It was more like a fun side project. Like yeah. Ivy was still at music production school and still, and he lived in OC and I was at USC and I was working on like a business. So I think like we wanted to pursue it full time, but as I'm sure a lot of listeners know, you know, when you have a hobby, sometimes you still need, you know, sort of your daytime stuff to support it. And so it's hard to be like a hundred percent in when you, you know, got all this other stuff going on. So that was 2016 and we, you know, started, you know, playing together, started releasing music. And then I think, you know, around, I think end of 2019, yeah. we had this show in Chicago yep. that a friend booked us for, Nothing big, but just sort of traveling interstate <clears throat> to sort of go to a show um, was just so much fun. So I think when we got back, you know, end of 2018, started 2019, we're like, let's go all in and, yeah. and make this sort of, you know, what we do like full time. Um, and that's when we were both graduating and sort of figuring out, you know, what would be our sort of po what, what, what's next. So it's sort of the timing just worked out. You mentioned graduating. What were you both going to school for? Well, he, he was obviously at USC, he was doing business, but I was down in OC and I was just doing um, the music production courses at my local community college, which was a great music school, actually. So it just worked out perfect. Did you grow up in OC? Yeah. Yeah. What part? Yeah, um, like Dana Point, San Juan Capistrano area. Okay. Hi, yeah, I used so to, I lived in Newport beach for a stint okay. as a youth back in the day. I went to Newport Harbor high school. Away, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, I love that area. I love that area. As a kid girl, being down there for a hot minute, um, definitely always love Laguna. You know, yeah. that was like where it's just so beautiful in the hill, like coming the in there. The best beaches in the world are there. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah it's awesome. And I want to give homage. My brothers grew up in Redondo beach 
and okay. uh, they were they yeah. brought they brought they brought yeah. the essence of surfing and BMX biking and skateboarding kind of up here to Washington when they moved up here. And I just want to give homage to your independent truck company. That's the original trucks. It's typical, you know, OCT super skater kid. (laughs) Exactly. He goes with vans. He goes with independent trucks. He goes with Steve Caballero, uh, skateboards, you know, all that stuff that got ingrained in my head as a kid. So I just want to, you know, give that little tidbit that I know what independent trucks are. (laughs) I also know what Harley David, I know what Harley Davidson's are too, but uh, (laughs) I I will never get a motorcycle. I will kill myself, literally. When I mean kill myself, I will push that thing to 200 miles an hour if it goes. I love, I love Harley Davidson's and they look cool, but. I mean, if you get in an accident on a motorcycle, it's like, like cars are already are a death trap. Let yeah. alone something you're not even buckled into, uh, and the walls are open. Yeah. Well, it's 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 funny you bring up cars, and you know the safety of cars. I was recently we do. I own another company called I Alternative Media, but maybe you've seen something on our website about it. I created a big glass box truck and made it a mobile television studio. And oh, no. now we actually drive around town with a concert grade sound system on it with DJs playing out of the back streaming live. Oh, yeah. live. Wait, what's oh, it called? It? That's so sick. It's, it's, it's called the mobile studio, the DJ sessions, mobile studio. You can see it on our website, the DJ sessions.com. Check out the mobile studios. We drive it around town. It's pretty awesome, but oh, it ties wow. me into something that you two are doing. And part of one of the things that the superstars roadmap, I want to talk about that, but Part of that is buying a Hollywood tour bus. And, and do I see that there's a contest to possibly give that bus away? Well, so just sort of on the superstar thing. So with the Hollywood tour bus, first of all, you know, about when we started first having success on TikTok, this yeah. was sort of like the end of 2020, start of 2021. And, you know, we were still working our day jobs. Like we're still in the same apartment today, but like yeah. it went from like really struggling to like at least having a couple of dollars in change. And, you know, for us, when we started putting our bills on auto pay, I'm like, all right, we're, we've made it. And then, <laughs> so, you know, we go out to, we're just like one day, we're like, let's get a Hollywood tour bus. Cause one of our friends has got one and like, we hit him up. He's like, yeah, it costs 20,000. I'm like, no way. And then, so, you know, me and Ivy were like, you know, what, what else are we doing? We may as well, Ivy starts calling up some places and we go meet one of the guys and um, he's just like, you know, he shows us all the buses yeah. and there was some for like four grand, five grand. And then there was a shitty, like, honestly, it was my favorite in terms yeah, of book. It needed right. some work, but it was yeah. only three grand. Yeah. Or 3,200 or 3,200. Yeah. And then yeah. so we literally walk over to the Wells Fargo, you know, get out the cash, probably all the cash we had at the time, and, you know, bought the bus. And uh, and then got the seats welded, like, the same, like, actually not the same day, a little yeah. bit later. But, <laughs> so they had the seats moving in the back and all that. It was just like we just like the idea of having a Hollywood tour bus was so cool. Like that's some DA type yeah, stuff, you know, exactly. where you drive in ambulances and fire trucks and tour buses. And so that had sort of became like our logo and sort of, we started designing some merch around that. And honestly, it was just a very practical car. It really was. Yeah. We take all our friends in it. Like if we all want to go out or something, it was very, yeah. Like, like the, the Ubers. Honestly. And yeah. you know, so it was just great just for that because like, you got 10 friends who want to all go to the flea market rather than like trying to, you know, coordinate all these cars. We can all fit it in one beautiful weather in LA. Obviously if you're going to have, I guess, convertible anywhere, like LA is probably the place for Miami. And so it was just, it was just great. So that had just become like a staple of us. And then, so we were doing the superstars project. And so, you know, that we've actually put on pause because the way, so when we got into the superstars project, it was pretty much like, 
we'd been in NFT sort of day trading since early last year, you know, um, and we'd been in crypto way before that. So we're familiar with space and the technology behind it and sort of the utility. And so we've been hesitant to do our own project because we've just seen so many, you know, influencers and even celebrities sort of do projects and, you know, they, they promote it and it mints and then they just dip out and then, you know, everyone else is left holding the bag and, you know, they've made their money, but, you know, sort of at what cost. And so that's why we were so hesitant for getting in the space for a while. One of our friends had reached out. He had worked with Justin Bieber and Gian Piero on the In Between Us project, and that went successfully, and it all looked good. And then he sort of left to create his own studio where he would create these NFTs. And so he sort of, you know, spoke to us, and we're like, yeah, well, you know, let's do it. Like, it's, it's, you know, sounds all good. And so we've been working on it since about December of last year. And, you know, just like, as you've seen, the roadmap's very detailed, the art. You know, we work with a fantastic artist and we had all these sort of, you know, because we have all these other projects like this cookbook that we're getting made and a TV show. And so it just felt natural to sort of tie yeah. everything in. But honestly, just sort of more and more that goes along, you know, even though we were sort of like the faces, we were like helping run the day to day. And it was just starting to detract from like what made us us in the first place. Right. We, we weren't in the studio. We we're barely making videos. We were, you know, like scheduling meetings was a headache because we were sort of going and, you know, had all these, wow. and it, it was a lot, yeah. way more than we could have ever imagined. And so we're like, we took a good hard look. We were like, look, we've probably put in serious, like 20 grand into this, you know, no one else put in, like we've just put all the money in, you know, into marketing. I mean, we got like hundreds of shirts and ads sitting on our yeah. couch. Which are honestly, the, the, they're pretty the, sweet, though. Yeah, they're honestly, to be fair, they're pretty awesome. And so I was just like, all right, we put in this money so we could go and, you know, Oops, that was from your website. <laughs> and then, so we're like, we could go, you know, continue to do this, but we're like, you know, if we're going to do this, we're only going to do it if we're 110% in. And if we're 110% in, that means that we can't be 110% into all the other right. stuff. You know, if we're going to seriously help run the day to day and, you know, give the community what we promise, you saw that it's a very extensive roadmap. Um, it just wasn't feasible. So we, you know, Ivy and me had a hard conversation. We're like, we just got to, you know, let the team know that, you know, it's just, and the community know that like, unless we are going to be 110% dedicated every day, wake up, hopping in the Discord, doing this, doing that, yeah. then we shouldn't move forward. Because the second someone puts a dollar in, that's not us, I'm going to feel personally responsible. And, you know, even if I hate every second, I'm going to have to deliver. And it hadn't gotten to that point yet. So we yeah. both agreed you know, sometimes you just got to know when, you know, it's just not it. And, you yeah. know, and that's sort of timing it. wasn't there. And we just said, okay, let's not go again. Let's the not go. Right now. And then let's get back to the, cause we, you know, sort of got distracted from the music. And so, you know, we're like, all right, we want to take this music thing very seriously and you can't sort of do music casually. Yeah. Um, at least, you know, at the level we want to like pursue and we have the opportunity to freedom. So, Let's, you know, use that for music rather than, you know, this, you know, NFT. And also it just started to be like, what is the point of this NFT, right? And I think that's for most NFTs where it's like, yeah, there is cool utility, but why do we need to put this on Web3? Yeah. And more and more it just became everything we want to do right now, we could still do within Web2. We're just trying to cram it into, you know, utilize this technology and it just didn't feel organic and it was just like, what is the real point? And that's when we just like, no, let's just cut this now. You know, after 12, 13 years of doing this series here, the DJ sessions, having a track record of 30 years of being in, in media production, going all the way back from 
back into public access in 92, moving into broadcast television in, in the, the double O's or the aughts, I think is what it's called. I, that was the first time I ever heard of that, the aughts. And then getting into podcasting and then live streaming and making sure that I don't burn out anymore. And I've done that over the course before, you know, when I took on the DJ sessions brand, even though it was still up and down and up and down and still watching technology grow with it, you got to kind of pick and choose what you're going to go after, what you're going to focus on. Otherwise you could just spread yourself completely thin, be running around. And then at the end of the day, you got blah, crap all. And your brand is just like, Oh, I, I'm not doing that. I've burnt out before several times, not wanting to pick up a camera, not want to do anything. Now I got a pattern going, but yeah. the biggest word out there the biggest three letters out there right now is nft mm-hmm. and I, I ask every artist now in every interview i mean you guys could you, you wrote the book you got the frequently asked questions on your website first question what is an nft you're on top of this and you know we're really excited we're we're looking to do some things in that that realm as well um that we're working on in the back end namely taking our assets that we have we have over 2300 episodes and creating those episodes into NFTs. So an actual video file of the episode and working on how that's going to work and how does that translate with our brand and how we're going to launch that and go. And it's very interesting. We actually have an interview scheduled with the first NFT record label uh, oh. that was launched coming up here in the, in the future, which is pretty awesome. But yeah, I mean, where, where does that, that sounds like it kind of pulled you away from the music. You know, and and you want to bring it back into that. And one of the things you did recently surrounding the music was an NFT LA live event. Yeah, and uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a great time. So, we played a yeah. fun show. That was because yeah. we partnered with the Heart Project on that, the Hearts Project. And that's honestly one of the few projects that I can vouch and say this is yeah. legitimate. This is like, you know, because everyone talks about community with NFTs, right? And they're like, well, you want to own a board eight because, you know, Steph Curry has one and, Eminem has one and, you know, Madonna has one, yada, yada, yada. And it's like Justin Bieber, but it's like, are they buying or is their management? And then it's like, let's be real. Justin Bieber is not going to be in the board Ape Yacht Club Discord chatting away. Yeah. But the people the Hearts Project have associated with them is seriously like New Hollywood, like the sort of like it, it group of LA and just sort of the like cultural influences. And they're also involved, like, in the IRL events, too. It's like, you know, X was telling me at the party, like, yeah, like, so many big people were there. Like, those that like those holders are actually, like, invested in the project. It's not just like, oh, this is some board Abe. I'm going to flip this one yeah. day for a million. It's like, no, that's, like, actually, like, a community to be a part of. And that was another thing. It's like this project where I know they have a great community, they all these things. You know, they're sitting at like a point, you know, now it's like point one, like a point one, point two ETH floor. Meanwhile, you got all these other, you know, rug projects that are at a multi ETH floor. And you're just like, what really, where is the real value here? Like, it's all about hype and all that. So yeah. it just sort of became a little bit, you know, just sort of disenchanted with like where the space is at this second. Um, but the NFT LA party was really fun because it was yeah. a way for, you know, holders could come. It was, you know, during NFT LA, um, we worked with, uh, you know, our buddy owns this company called Grilled Cheese Society. It's a ghost kitchen they sponsor. So we had grilled cheeses. Our other buddies own this hard seltzer company called Good Sunday. So, you know, it was just a really great party. Had a lot, a lot of fun. And, you know, that was the best thing that came out of the whole thing. Honestly, yeah, it was a kick-ass party. Throwing that party because we met a lot of cool people and it was just a great, yeah, just 
seeing people move and groove and just bringing disco to LA is always great. Awesome. And you mentioned earlier, um, Ivy, about in real life or IRL. Have you yeah. guys looked at doing anything in the VR or AR realm? Is that something that's on your radar at all? Well, I mean, we did do, um, I mean, obviously during COVID, like there were no live shows. We were thinking about doing a couple, um, I guess, live streams for a couple um, organizations, but they all fell through. But I mean, like we just did one for um, a discord for a project um, while we were coming up with superstars. Um, and that was a lot of fun. So I'm like, I, I'm always down to do, you know, VR or, you know, Absolutely. like virtual concerts. That's so fun. I would love to give you both a tour. We just launched two virtual nightclubs in alt space. Um, I've had some of the people that are really in that realm have come and visit our club and they're like, I've been in this realm for two, three years. I've never seen anything like this. And it, 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 we call the nightclub beta nightclub because it's literally in our beta version. We haven't even launched yeah. version one of it yet. Yeah. And I can, there's some really cool stuff. I don't know if you guys own Oculus yeah, or Chad Nightclub. <laughs> What's up? Call me up when you got the Chad Nightclub, the Sigma Nightclub. The Chad Nightclub? I'm not going to mind. Yeah, I know. We're really excited to be moving into that realm as well. And that territory, we kind of see that combining NFTs with VR and people can come into our, our clubs and kind of walk through and be in a NFT gallery of yeah. sorts with our images and other artists and other works that, that people can then inside VR, click a button, open a browser, takes you to the NFT buying portal. They can buy NFTs right there if they, if they want to do it. And we can, yeah, we can yeah. curate that for each artist that's playing, you know? So if we had a party shirt party in our VR nightclub and you guys could be there in VR, like kicking it or doing whatever yeah, yeah, live streams, yeah. but we could line the walls with all, party yes. shirt nfts like while that. people are coming yeah. down so yeah virtual gallery it's really awesome so we'll talk about that more in a little bit but um busy as you are i, I was really intrigued to see you also have a podcast series yeah. called idk though or is it actually called i don't know though it's whatever you want yeah. it's like, like, I, I don't know, know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no tell, tell us a little bit about the idk though podcast Oh, well, I mean, sort of as it's described, because we don't, you know, it's sort of yeah. like we've seen this whole crop of, you know, because sort of with influencers, one of the phenomenons, I guess, is this thing called the halo effect, where someone's an expert in one area, and then automatically everyone assumes that they're just an expert in every area, you know. <laughs> so you have someone who might have came up talking about health and wellness, now talking about relationship advice, or someone who came up about fashion, now talking about, you know, career advice, or someone who you know, just all these different things. Like, you know, I want to be Grant Cardone's now talking about, fuck, I don't even know, like NFTs, right? So, you know, these people who have sort of become influencers who sort of know everything and we're here saying like, we don't know shit. And, you know, but we love yeah. just discussing it between a couple of mates and just sort of having a raw <laughs> conversation between a couple of 20-somethings who are still figuring out life in the big city and just sort of giving their two cents on, um, different situations that are sort of solicited online. And you just started this recently because I see there are six episodes up there yep. right now. And the titles, I think, are just classic. Uh, I mean, so yeah, episode one, body count board and how to friend zone someone. <laughs> episode two, the slap and secret tattoo. Three, male birth control pill and girlfriend clubbing with Tinder match. I assume that's what GF stood for. Yeah. Four, bilingual babies and gym crush etiquette. 
five, five, masturbating at work and the alcoholic mother-in-law. Six, the retail Karen plus twin bed red flag. Yes. How is how has the response been to to your podcast series? Great, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's actually like. For how fast podcasts grow, which is extremely slow, it's been doing, it's been surprising us. And then just like the relationship that it creates with the audience, because, mm-hmm. you know, a TikTok or even a, you know, a two hour like DJ live set, right? What I go see, you know, you mentioned that you believe your friend or sister loves Dylan Francis, right? You go to a Dylan Francis show, you love him probably because of his online persona, because yeah, he plays great music, he's a great producer, but what can I gather from him from a, you know, two-hour set? I mean, honestly, out of any DJ, he probably gives more of his personality in his sets because, you know, a lot of DJs out there, right, like it could be anyone behind the decks and, you know, I, it's hard to really tell their style. And same thing with, you know, the factual caps and stuff because it's so formatted and because it's, you know, the focus is about testing trends for the most part, it's hard for us to show our personality without yeah. taking away from the main point of the video so the podcast just lets us sort of free form talk for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And that's the great thing about it too. The podcasts are very digestible, like 10 minutes. Yeah. Who doesn't have 10 minutes? You know, you could, you take, you space out an hour and you've listened to every, I don't know though, so yeah. far. And so I think, you know, that's another thing for us. We're just very always on, you know, on the go and short attention spans. Um, so that's why like, we're like, okay, let's do a short podcast just because, you know, what's something we would listen to if we, you know, didn't listen to a podcast before as yeah. easy so. And does your family enjoy listening to to your podcast yeah. and your music? Mine call me every day. When's the next podcast? When's the next podcast? When's the next podcast? So they really love it. They love the music too. We just haven't released for a while. Yeah, but like all our songs, I, I'll always put it on like the, you know, Google Home and send me photos and you know all the lessons from australia i can just sort of assume it's them (laughs) switching the gear a little bit more towards your music careers um how would you define success as a dj would it be a beatport top 10 hit a sold out tour a huge social following which you two are definitely amassing what are your thoughts on this i mean i'd say it's really like it's, it's honestly beyond all that. It's like, you just need a community. Like I've seen like DJs that like, I've never heard of, I've never heard. They don't even put out music. They're just strictly DJs, you know? And like when they're at a show, like they have a huge following. So it really doesn't matter. Like you really just got to be in the scene, you know, you got to meet people. You got to play for the right people who are going to buy into your brand and come to your next shows, you know, and then eventually down the road, if you do decide to release music, then they're supporting that, you know, but I feel like, cause there's so many different types of like DJs and music producers and then the hybrid between both. So it's like success looks different for, for everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what about you, X? I mean, it's sort of like, I, you know, I agree that it's all about the community and because like I've said, right, there's some people who are strictly DJs and not producers, which is, you know, in the nineties was very common, right? Like they were sort of separate things. And now people have blurred the thing where it's like, if you're a DJ, you have to be a producer, Yeah, you know, it's sort of, you could be a producer and not a DJ, but you can't really be a DJ and not a producer right now because most people are building their following from having hit songs you know or being on the right labels and sort of being automatically on these sort of lineups um i think you know 
like it is a mix of all those things. You need the social following these days. You need sort of the IRL support. You need sold out shows. You need beatport hits. But I think if I could only pick one, I would say having sold out shows because yeah, you can have a massive following, no one shows up. You can have a beatport hit, no one's listening to your next single. So, but having a sold out show, I mean, I think having a sold out show and having not released for two years. Because you can have, you know, a top 10 hit and then people are going to come to see that. But in two years when they haven't thought about that song for 12 months, it's you versus someone else at a festival. Who are they picking? And so I think it's like, that's why it's like, you know, I mean, you know, artists like J. Cole, right? Like I, they probably haven't really had a hit album since, you know, Forest Hills. I'm sure he's still selling out stadiums. Definitely. While yeah. there's probably some someone, people on the Billboard top 10 right now who couldn't even get 200 people to a show in a major city. So it's really about really, if you think in long term, you need, you need that, you know, do you want to be a rage against a machine selling out stadiums 20 years after you last release songs? Or do you want to, <laughs> you know, have a bunch of TikTok hits It's sort of, and on, you need the TikTok hits to get there, but it's also focusing on where do I want to be in 10, 20 years with the music? You mentioned TikTok and I know we talked a little bit earlier about your success on TikTok. I've recently just got into TikTok it was about four weeks, maybe six weeks ago. I kind of got sucked down the rabbit hole. I was laying in bed and like, I'm an old school. I'm, I'm old school, shifted new school. It was Facebook, Twitter, then Insta and Snapchat. And then TikTok came along and I'm sitting there in bed. I'm like, I'm going to check out this TikTok thing. I'm going to look at it for like five minutes. Yeah, I think it was like 11 o'clock. I think it was like 11 o'clock at night. I started doing this. The next thing I look at the clock and it's like 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> it's the best. It's honestly too good. Because the algorithm yeah. just knows you so well that, like, it's, you know, it's really a dull moment on TikTok. Exactly. Um, but back to the music, uh, and you kind of answered this a little bit, but what do you feel distinguishes a DJ from a producer? I mean, definitely just, like, pr produce, like putting yeah. music out, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's just the biggest thing is that, like, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just producing. And then it's sort of like, I mean, there can be, like, incredible producers who were not good DJs. Like, Avicii's famously, like, you know, hated DJing. Like, and often, you know, apparently, like, sometimes it wasn't even connected. But he was one of the world's best producers. And he was someone who blew up as a producer. And then to monetize it, right, you need to sort of play live shows, which, you know, as an electronic artist normally means DJing. I mean, now, you know, seeing more and more live shows with, you know, live instruments. But then it's sort of like it's tough you mean because you can't just be a big producer and then you know most of the money these days and back then even was still live shows so you know it's sort of tough some people just love like a fisher right like who knows you know about anything else but i know he's a fantastic dj right he gives a crowd what they want because i think for a while it was sort of like emo boys in hoodies you know playing dubstep and now we're seeing like a bunch of these sort of you know tech house sort of more lively acts like just saw John Summit and Dom Dollar, and yeah. it was like you're watching a show as much as you're listening to the music. Yeah, you know, you're seeing them up there interacting with each other, fucking with the crowd. You know, just doing these small things. You know, and there's you can also you can't step too far and be obnoxious about it either. Right. Like there's that one guy on oh, Instagram <laughs> who all these pages are just promoting all these fucking house music pages, and he's just doing the most. And it's like you're doing too much. You know, so. I think people like Peggy Goo do it well where they sort of interact with the yeah. crowd without making it just about sort of that. 
I don't know. We're getting away from the question, but yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing <laughs> is, you know, some just produce music and some just play it. And when you're out doing a show, do you take time to take pictures with your fans? Like, do you do an after show recap, get out in the audience and meet with your fans to, to get that yeah, meet and greet yeah, and, and, and hang out with them? And yeah, um, I, know, I know some DJs are like, I was just on stage. I just performed. I want to go back to my green room. I got to chill. I got a next gig to get to, you know, yeah. but some really do take that time to go out and shake hands, sign the autographs, meet with their fans and, and maybe give merch away or, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, that's awesome. So is the first record that the both of you ever bought singly X and Ivy worth mentioning or is it completely embarrassing? The first record we've ever bought. First record we bought, I guess, did you, did you start DJing separately or was party shirt an automatic made do and you both started it together or were you kind of dabbling in, in things beforehand and said, boom, let's go. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely because we met in 2016, which was um, going into your junior year or going into your sophomore year. I think junior year. Right? Yeah. You had yeah, yeah, yeah. For a year. No, you know, um, could have no, it must have been going into my sophomore year. Yeah. Okay. If it was that summer, it would have been going into my sophomore year. Yeah. So we were like 19 then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so I had been DJing probably since I was like, I want to say 15 or 16. So I'd been doing it for a while before then. And then X had been doing Yeah. We had been doing it separately before we met each other. What was the first album, Ivy, that you ever purchased? Is it worth, is it embarrassing? Or is it worth mentioning ever like in my life? Like first album or first, like first, I mean, I, yeah. did you start uh, on vinyl or did you start digital? I, well, I started on CDs actually. CDs. Yeah. It was Beatles white album. Beatles white album. Okay. That was the first CD you bought that you would put in the shows or was that the first? Oh no, one? that was just the first oh, CD. CD ever bought. How about, yeah. how about the first track? Do you remember the first track you ever purchased? That you would maybe just play the shit out of over and over again at every sex. You just loved it so much. Or was it, is it worth mentioning? It was like a, a Britney or a Tiffany or some crazy obscure. No, it was like, <laughs> it was like 2015 era. That was like, or like 2014. Ghastly was my fucking idol, dude. So get on this by Ghastly was like one song I would just rip all the time. Nice. X, what about you? Honestly, couldn't tell you my first track that I sort of bought for shows. I mean, I'd honestly have to go back and check, but fuck, I don't know. I honestly just don't know what it would be. I'm thinking of when I was a kid, like what were some CDs that I bought and shit? It would have been probably like some of the Ministry of Sound stuff. I used to love The Offspring. I still do, obviously. You know, old Eminem, but I'm trying to like, I just can't because it's just been so long. I'd have to go through my iTunes and see. I, you know, I'd hope it's something cool, but it probably wasn't. That's okay. That's all good. It, it, there's so many back in the vinyl days. I've been in this industry for 30 years. And I can see people going back and say, I remember the first record I bought from the record store. You yeah. know, like, like Ivy, you remember the White Album. You know, records were one thing because there was a limited supply of records. Nowadays in the digital world, anyone can grab right. a million copies of that track and just blow up and go, you know, even the oh, theory yeah. of the white label, the release, and, um, you know, people will play a track and then they can go up and Shazam it at the yeah. show. You know, exactly. I was just, I was just doing an interview with somebody recently and 
there was a video they had on Instagram where one of their friends was in the crowd watching them play, filming them on the phone. And they got this guy up in the DJ booth trying to Instagram one of their tracks that was not released yet. And he posted on Instagram with his friend's video saying, you ain't going to find this on Shazam, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> it's not there. So, you know, just technology has advanced so much. So, you know, you having 30,000, 50,000, 60,000 songs at your disposal and just being able to say, I'm going to flip open Beatport or whatever yeah. resource you go to to go, what's hot today? What's going on? Or maybe going to 1001 track list and seeing what other people are playing and going, oh, okay, I'm going to just go pull that one down in my mix. It makes it much i can see it's much harder to maybe answer that question remembering in a digital age how much you That's can just acquire so fast exactly, yeah because i'm sure when you go to a record store you buy your first record sort of it's a bigger deal because it's more of an event you know yeah. it's like buying your first video game right where you had to ask mom yeah. to take you to walmart and all that and, and it's the only video game you can play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now it's like like you said right like even if i just want to listen to me like since 2007, because we sort of grew up in the digital age. So when I'm 11, 2007, YouTube comes out. And I pretty much had all the music I wanted to listen to pretty quickly, you know. Yeah. And so I've just always sort of been accustomed to when I, that's, and that's sort of the age I started to get more into music. It's just been available digitally. You know, you can torrent it somewhere or go on YouTube. And then yeah. when Spotify came out, I was like, this is the craziest thing yeah. ever. Like. <laughs> How is this even like possible? I just couldn't because uh, it came to Australia a couple of years after the US, and I just remember like since the day it came out in Australia, I've had Spotify because I was just blown the fuck away that you can listen to any song whenever without having to download it. That's just the coolest thing of all time. So and yeah, it's sort of been like it's great in that sense that like you know you don't have to sort of dig through crates, but I guess it probably takes away some of the experience and the meanings of songs because like, yeah. I'm sure if you're like looking for a, this one particular record that, like you said, is a limited release, maybe on an indie dance label, and you have to travel all around SoCal to find it, once you get it, I'm sure it's a lot more meaningful than I just Google it and I can have it on my iPhone in two seconds. Absolutely. What about the first NFT you ever purchased? Okay, the first NFT I ever purchased was last year. I don't know. It might have been like the Lonely Alien Club might have been one. Or... Yeah, I had my first one was something like that. That was just Some absolute bullshit. garbage. Yeah, complete rug ball. Oh, like... I know. I just sold oh, a lot of mine and I'm just like, I'm getting like a tenth of what I paid. I'm like, it's almost like why bother selling it? But I'm like, it's better to have $70 and not have $70. Yeah, but... yeah exactly. Is, is um, this, was this, was this, did you spend a lot of time researching NFTs before you made your first purchase? Or was this like, I'm on the hype train. I see this. I'm going to go get this one. And then later go, whoa. Or, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like we had sort of been researching the space for a while, but the particular projects, I had a friend who had done pretty well in NFTs and sort of made it his full-time thing. So after I like, had done my research and made the decision I was interested in NFTs, then I went to him and I said, what should I buy? And he's like, hey, obviously not financial advice, but here's what I'm getting, yada, yada, yada. And then I just sort of bought those. And like then, honestly, after a few days, I was up, you know, an okay amount. And then and then it just fucking it crashed. <laughs> and then with every crash, you know, there's some blue chip projects that are going to come back and be bigger than ever. And then there's a lot of just crap projects that are never going to bounce back. And you just got to sort of know. And you, I mean, you never know, but you just sort of sort of have a gut feeling that, hey, I've probably just got to, even though I've lost money on this, I just got to sell it because it's yeah. just never coming back. 
that's I guess that's kind of how the market is going, how it's playing out. And you guys are definitely on top of that. We're taking the slow and steady race over here, kind of the way of the tortoise. Um, yeah, yeah. We see it being a future. We see it being the future, especially being able to give artists kind of a control, a monetary control back on, on what they do. I've even seen late as Twitter. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but Twitter has it. If you upload an NFT photo to your Twitter account, it'll give you a special logo. At the yeah. hexagon. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of really cool that, you know, will Facebook, will Instagram, will TikTok follow suit in that? Um, and then also pictures, like when you upload a picture, they can say, this is actually an NFT copy. And you'll get that kind of seal of official approval that you're uh, uploading original artwork that you have the rights to use or rights to upload yeah. and how that will translate into music as well. And going back to the music side of things in your music career, what's the best moment for the both of you of your career, music career up until now? Uh been so many like <laughs> how to say it best there's been so many memorable moments i yeah. mean the chicago trip, the chicago was, a trip was great and even just outside of djing like when we had our first sort of you know mini hit song that blew up on tiktok and sort of finally getting some musical success was great and then we had some really like promising meetings with you know like honestly three major management companies on it maybe even four that we ended up deciding not to pursue but it's just sort of those meetings where like you think you know everything's about to happen yeah. and i mean there's just so many like there's been a lot of memorable moments it's hard to say like, yeah. like you know yeah. i feel like maybe there is going to be a centerfold moment like like a headlining coachella where yeah. it's just so clear that hey this is just the winner but uh, we haven't had one like we've had a lot of great memorable moments but none that i'm like yeah this is the best and you know, yeah they're all the baby steps to the yeah the one we're still you know? very very early so yeah. you know we're still 10 steps ahead in our mind of where we are now so i think when they get closer to re reality <laughs> i think it'll be you know more standoutish one of one of mine is uh i'll share with you is um i've told people i've been to the nakatomi towers before you know, where they filmed Die Hard. It was the uh, the building they used in the movie yeah. Die Hard yeah. was the Fox building in, in uh, Century City out there. I believe it's in Century City. Should be in Century City. Anyways, somewhere out there in L.A. I, I'm, I should know this. I should know more about this. But uh, people are like, what? You've been to that? And I'm like, and it was 2005. I got called by the head of the vice president of Fox to go down to his offices. And I had him sit with him. He was the guy that was responsible for selling that 70s show and Malcolm in the Middle to the entire West Coast. Damn. Great so he got me into his office. And at this time, we had eight separate pilots that were shopping and had been approved to air on 12 stations on the whole West Coast. He sat me down in his office and he said, oh, welcome, Darren. Welcome to sit you down. And first words out of his mouth, he goes, how did you get eight separate television shows approved on 12 stations on the West Coast? That's what I do for a living. Yeah. So how did you do it? And I just looked at him. I said, I picked up the phone. Yep. And right there, it was a defining moment of my level of what I would do to make sure I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to pound that pavement. I'm going to do it. And kind of was a huge um, moment for me of showing the, the progress of where I am. Of, I used to actually go on live stream and do a thing called dialing for dollars. And I just get on the phone in the morning, start calling up sponsors on the phone while I'm live streaming to yeah. Facebook and everything and just showing my dedication. Like, here's what you got to do. But it was a yeah. defining moment, you know, of, of the career. But um, maybe not the best moment, but what about the most inspiring moment 
of your career. Um, I think that's just a great lesson for anyone sort of listening is that yeah. like so much even in the entertainment is being an entrepreneur, you know, yeah. like I think pretty much all successful artists are entrepreneurs because yeah. you sort of have to be unless you just somehow have the world's best manager and you're just a puppet and they're doing literally everything else, right? Which is like impossible and something I wouldn't want, you know, to give someone else complete 100% control. And so I think, you know, a lot of our most successful things have come from just persistence, Yeah, you know? It's not like we've had like a breakthrough genius moment where like this is the best and put it out in the world and it just takes off. And that's why when I hear all these stories of, oh, I uploaded this song to SoundCloud, sent it to two friends, forgot about it, and it became a number one hit, I'm like, that's bullshit. Yeah. Because <laughs> we've made great songs, no, put money yeah. into it and seen how hard it is to yeah. promote. So I don't believe this whole like, you go, you have better luck buying a lottery ticket yeah. because it's a lot of marketing, even with a great product. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that's one thing that I've realized was hard for me is taking the baby, what I call the baby of the DJ sessions and putting that baby in the hands of others, talking to others that are strangers that I don't know and yeah. seeing an email come through. And I'm like, oh no, you didn't say that. Or, okay, let's come back and revamp our process. But now I have somebody in New York. I have somebody in the UK. I have somebody in Thailand. I have somebody in Seattle. I mean, a team that is now working to build, to take us to that global level of uh, that global outreach. And, and now going and hitting the circuits of going, I wish I could have gone to IMS. Uh, I, I would, we were almost like this close to going to winter music conference this year, but I was like, nah. but yeah. starting to get out into the networking conferences and pounding yeah. the pavement and being on the street with everyone else that's out there, especially after the last few years of what just happened. So we're really doing a huge push to go to ADE this year. Uh, we'll come right back around and go to Winter Music Conference and then go into IMS and Sonar and ADE and, and start being on the ground because we can get back to doing that on the ground reporting. I, I would love being in person with you two, hold the microphone yeah, in our mobile yeah. studio in LA right yeah, now pull the mobile crazy. truck up yeah. put it next to the beach and be just doing a doing some sets with some djs you guys come in you play a set in the back of the truck and stream it live it'd be awesome speaking of we just bought a new mobile studio that we're putting down into phoenix arizona so that's a hop skip and a jump away from la so you might see us back and forth over there um back to the music just a little bit though um do you like to go out and listen to sets of other djs and i don't mean necessarily the big name djs and the big shows do you visit your local, I mean, in LA, it's pretty big town, but your local clubs, your local venues in a sense and kind of see what's happening out on the street or is it, is it, do you not have time to go out there and see and listen no, to stuff? I other mean, DJs? Luckily, fortunately for us, Sound Nightclub, which is like the biggest house uh, venue in LA is literally like four blocks down. So, and that's like, we're all like, you know, we're like huge tech house, like traditional tech house, like disco, like real house. And that's like infiltrated by a lot of like everywhere else other than the United States, you know? And so they bring in like all like the big Euro DJs, you know, and then they have, they really curate a vibe that is true to what they stand by and they stick to that, you know? And so it's, it's a great place to go. See your Oops. Sorry about that. I don't know why that happened. Good. I guess that's one of your TikTok videos. Somebody's TikTok video. Whoops. Doing, doing research. That's what I love about TikTok and why I love doing a live show that any shit can happen right in the middle of it. 
Yeah, so right. I, was, I was gonna go look up Sound Nightclub while you're talking about it, and then uh, TikTok yeah, kind of kind of kicked it's, on. Right, and then like I've said, it's sort of the only venue or the biggest venue that sort of plays house, and but it's still not that big. Yeah, you know, relative yeah. to like what you might think. So it's great that it's got like this intimate vibe, and you can see like a really big act who in Europe would probably sell out a 3,000, 4,000 yeah, warehouse, you know, and you're with maybe two, 300 people. So it's cool. It's like, it sucks at house and tech house and techno and, you know, isn't that big in LA relative to maybe Europe or some yeah. other places, but it's also nice that uh, you can get to see him in like an intimate setting. Yeah. It's just crazy <laughs> to think that like the US like is ruled by like hip hop and it's like everywhere else in the world is fucking and dubstep. You know, yeah. it's like UK was done exactly. with dubstep twenty years ago, practically. Yeah. You know, like everywhere else, they're just it's house or you know, yeah. Like Europe's back on D and B right now. Yeah, like, like, I've gone full circle. It's crazy. You know, so I feel like the US is a bit behind. And yeah, I think dance music in the US has you know maybe controversials died a little compared to yeah. what it was in the early 2010s, mid 2015. <laughs> Like, think about, you know, Kelvin Harris, Zed, yeah. Marshmallow, Flume, all at their peak when they had radio hits. I mean, those guys are still massive. They're still filling up stadiums. Yeah. But, like, tell me the last song any of them released. Exactly, yeah. That was popular. I couldn't, I just can't think of any. And, you know, so I just feel like it's now become more of a niche thing again. And I think it's, like, it contracts, expand, contracts, expand. So I think there's probably going to be a big blow-up of dance music. And hopefully this time it is more... You know, house, tech house, DNB, garage, you know, like sort of more of that rave, traditionally rave yeah. music. And speaking of tracks, speaking of genres, what's the hottest, what's the number one track you're playing out right now on, on your, on, if you got your memory stick and you go, I just yeah. saw that and it's, it's like in my te- past 10 set list you played. Or do you have, do you have a, I was recently speaking with somebody who said, you know what? Here's a rule that I learned. I can't remember who they heard it from, but they just said this in an interview the other day. They said, never play the same track twice. And I don't know. Like the thing is, yeah, there was not, like we never curate like a set list before or anything. Yeah, we, we are of, like, freestyle. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but, but there are them songs that like you just know hit and just feel right. And it's not yeah. like, hey, we'll put them in every set, but like definitely played, played them their fair share. I mean, I think, you know, what what we've, I mean, sort of everyone's really seen right now is, you know, flips and just remixes, especially of sort of hip hop and rap and reggaeton right now do really well because everyone knows the lyrics, they've heard them on the radio and it gives them something new, something yeah. fresh. So it's like something that's familiar to them and that they can sing along to, even yeah. though they've never heard the remix before, but it gets them dancing. There's that one, the crypto woman. One by Sorley. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That one's good. That one is. That one's like exactly like that. Like they, you might not know the acapella off like the name of it, but you've definitely heard it. And it just go. It's such a good. No, there's so much sampling. I feel like again, it's going back to sort of that '90s where the sampling was so rampant, and then it went into more of just finding random, you know, artists to sort of. Being your track, and now it's going back to the sampling. Because I was sort of like, you know, I mean, when you play a song with a sample, you just sort of like it. If the songs work before, it's much easier to know that it's going to work as a dance track. Is there a DJ trick that the two of you can share with our DJ Sessions fans that you 
do or that you know that's kind of a patented party shirt trick move anything you got in the in the, in the arsenal that you could share with us some sort of technical difficulties i think oh that's my that's a huge show. Like, yeah every show we have, there's like something wrong with the cdjs or this and that at this point we've got a decent fixing them on the floor yeah. so it's not really an issue but when in doubt reverb it out like if something's getting fucked up cut the lows bring in that next song like uh, oh that's awesome okay guys a few last questions here success doesn't last forever especially for an artist what do you do to save up for the future uh, what do you invest your earnings in fuck i mean don't ask us wrong, yeah <laughs> the stats here the whole crypto world kind of fucking tickled us a little yeah, more than we no, should have I'm you know? Now I'm investing in the Vanguard, the top 500 yeah. stocks in the US. It's traditional shit. International, yeah. exactly. And yeah. then another thing is a good thing about the house, sort of tech house space, is that most of the largest DJs are sort of, you know, 35, 40, 50, like yeah. Green Velvet's, what, 50-something? Carl Cox is 50-something. Lee Foss is 50-something. Um you know, so it's sort of like it's got a longer tail because I feel like a lot of the other sort of genres in dance music are sort of like I said, you know, you got young kids, yeah. you know, sort of people. It's like house the, has the history to bring in all ages, you know, and whereas these other ones kind yeah. of are a little targeted towards a certain demographic. And then the good thing about it, especially DJing too, is like once you build a following, it's sort of harder to lose it, right? You like again. Flume, a great artist. I couldn't tell you the last big song he had, but when he was having big songs, he was having hits. And he just, you know, second from closing out Coachella, and that was packed. So just because you haven't had a hit song for a couple of years, you don't really lose that audience, which is great. Um, so that's that's also a nice thing. Side note, just let you know, Carl Cox is 61. <laughs> Well, one of my one of my questions I always ask, especially for longtime producers, DJs, is you know, Carl Cox was born in 1962 and he's still rocking stages to this day. Where do you see yourself at when you're 60 years old? And I want to be rocking stage. Yeah, if I can so, have Carl Cox and look yeah. as good as him and have that energy, then I'm gonna be DJ. I want to be like having our own shows, like throwing the craziest like, yes. social type shows, like just in the most like out of pocket locations. It'd be sick to have grandkids. Literally, let me correct that. He was born July 29th, 1962. So he turned 60 this year. There we go. Him and my but, dad, they got the, they're super close. <laughs> my dad turned 60 this year on the 18th of July. I should always enjoy yeah literally awesome well guys we're gonna let you get going back to having some fun doing those videos the tiktok videos is there anything else you want to let our dj sessions fans know about before we let you get going no we've got some releases yeah. coming out soon we're excited about that you know we got a new mix series yep. coming out as well so keep an eye out for that yep. That'll and be then a lot we're working on our own little radio show so that could be something so we're just really putting the music at the, the front the front of everything mm -hmm. right now and prioritizing that well, we definitely look forward to staying in contact with you. We will be staying in contact with you. We're going to be doing follows with every person that comes on the show every six months, maybe every quarter. Just stay on contact with what party shirt is doing and what's going on. And I'll be spending a lot more time down in the Southwest and coming over to LA a lot more. I'd love to hook up and hang out with you guys sometime. Awesome. Yep.
Awesome. And where can people find out more information about you guys and what you got going on? Oh, I mean, our TikTok and Instagram <laughs> yeah. pretty much have it all. Yeah. All our handles are at PartyShirt, PartyShirt.com. Yeah. Just party shirt. If you have some time to kill, head over to Spotify to listen to the music yes. and the new podcast. And SoundCloud too. We've got yep. some cool mixes on there as well if you're interested in those. Definitely X and Ivy just followed you both on Instagram as well, personally, uh, as the DJ sessions. And uh, looking forward to chatting with you more in the future. You guys have a lot to offer, a lot coming up. Um, is there any tours planned? Do you have a tour planned at any chance? Or are you working on it? No, we're no. probably like, we normally book our shows a couple of weeks yeah. before we play them. So okay. like, sometimes we'll be like, we have no shows. And then next thing I know, we're playing three in a week. So it's sort of ad hoc right now. Yeah. I think once we start releasing more and then making it more structured and more of like a part of our, you know, day-to-day business, then we'll sort of plan our tours a bit more. But with just everything going on the past year, it's sort of been hard to schedule our tours because... You know, then we'll have these other obligations that just pop up. And, yeah. You know, so now it's like we'll start scheduling more in advance now that, you know, we're refocused everything. Awesome. Well, if you come up to Seattle, we'd love to do an in-person interview with you and oh, actually oh, show yeah. you that mobile studio as well. Because now we got two of them on the West yeah. Coast coming out. Yeah. Uh, side note, when I when I actually launched the, the mobile studio years ago, I had a little stint on Kevin Smith's Smodcast. And uh, they were talking about it as uh, doing it. We mentioned it as the fastest moving DJ show in the world because we were going to take the take it and go from Seattle and go down the West Coast, down I-5 and hit different cities and uh, record the shows in the back of the truck while we're going like speeds of up to 60 miles per hour. Yeah, we actually just did a we just did a road trip to Vegas uh, to Phoenix and then back up to Vegas for five days and went up and down the strip. With it. But we'll talk about that another time. Guys, thank you so much, X and Ivy, for coming on the show. Party shirt. Check them out. These guys, they're blown up. Uh, and don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on TikTok. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, wherever, thedjsessions.com. This is Darren coming to you from Seattle, Washington, for the virtual sessions with Party Shirt, all the way in from L.A. And you know what happens on the DJ sessions? The music never stops.